0: So today, um, we are continuing in our series, it's all about the family of God. And if you've been following along with us, we've been teaching uh, on, the, on the big family of God. It's a family of families. It's, it's an inclusive family. It's a transforming family. It's an unlikely family with people that maybe should have no business being together except for the love of Jesus, because it's a Jesus-centered family. And um, it, we, we plan on having this series talking about the big family of God uh, and how it's a, it's a family that transforms us and anybody can be part of it. And in this part of the summer, what we're, we've planned on doing is gearing down from the big family of God to our personal family. And so uh, the rest of the summer in this series, we're going to be really focusing on, on how to have a, a family with God at the center of it, how to have um, health in your families. And, um, and the thing is, whether you're single, some of you might be single here, like, oh man, this is a family series. This is, a, this is, this is for anybody and everybody because everybody has family. And some of us come from families with, that don't have faith or families that have a lot of brokenness in it. And, and we're going to be gearing down into what does a, a vision of a family look like from God's perspective. And um, I'm really excited about this um, because not only does it give us vi- vision for it, but the practicalities. So whether you're single or you have like the biggest family in Puyallup, there, there's areas that we can grow. And some of you might not have like biological family, Everybody has spiritual family. Um, So you could be single or you could have really broken family, but God has probably put people in your life that are like spiritual mothers and fathers. And what does family look like going forward in your life? How do you leave leave a legacy of love of God and other people in your family? And so I have the uh, privilege. I've been really excited about this. I'm actually going to have my dad share his heart, and what he's left as a legacy in our family. Um, his name is George Jr. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's probably, he's, he's Papa Bear for me, but I'm really excited to introduce him, and my mom's here, so I actually wanted to, would you guys just uh, give them a hand for being here? There's my mom, my dad. Thanks for being here. Um, you guys might not know this, but they've been a huge support for Whitewater Happening. My mom's, you know, when we first started, was always helping. They've been a support in so many ways with every, every imaginable way of generosity, time, talent, treasure, so that our church can exist. Um, my dad's the pastor at Bethany Baptist Church, and that church has really helped uh, establish us. And I'm just so grateful. And I'm going to have my dad come uh, and share about stories. So dad, would you come on up here? Um, come on up here. We can give him another hand. I appreciate you being here. And I want to hand this over to him, but just to kind of set the baseline is our our family. One of the one of the key things, one of the foundational things uh, is that our our family passed wisdom down through stories. You guys have uh, storytellers in your family, you know, maybe tall tale tellers, uh, truth tellers. We uh, my dad and my grandma um, really set a culture of storytelling. That's how wisdom was passed. on. we would—I um, remember the the place of story that I remember probably most in my at, when I was really little and growing up was my grandparents' porch in Yukaipa, California. And in the mornings, like when we'd all have family reunions or Christmas, or we'd get together at vacation time, uh, you know, our aunt and uncle and my cousins would come together, and our families would come together, and we'd go out to the porch in the morning. Um, for coffee um, and we'd have bacon and breakfast my grandma was an amazing cook and then in the evenings when it was starting to cool down and we would get together I remember it was like one of the, the times that we kids even really little would look forward to because that's when the stories would be shared Like the stories of of marriages, the stories of travel, the narrative, the story of our families moving from Ohio to Arizona to California. Uh, Hearing some of the sad stories in our life. I mean, there were moments of just laughter, the funniest things you ever heard. Uh, But it was the way our family passed down the heritage and our identity and our values and wisdom. I remember hearing about my uncle, who's this redheaded guy when he was little. um, He was like nine years old, 10 years old, and he saw uh, a kid who was hanging out with my dad start picking on my dad, who you're about five years older than Uncle Kurt, right? And Uncle Kurt was this little redhead seeing like a a kid who was five years older than him, a teenager, start picking on my dad. And he went and grabbed a broomstick, (laughs) walked behind this kid and just wham, hit him right in the back of the legs. And the kid looked around. He's like, hey, could you get your brother? Wham, wham, wham. I remember being this little kid hearing the story. And, and all of a sudden, Johnny Wells, who was picking on you, like jumped in the pool. And my you know, 9, 10-year-old red-faced, red-haired uncle was uh, keeping him from getting out of the pool and just <laughs> marching around. As we're listening to this, there's values being handed down. Now, I can pick on my brother, but nobody else can pick on my older <laughs> brother. And so, guys, I just want to welcome my dad. I'm so grateful to have a dad Who's passed down wisdom, who's a pastor, loves Jesus. So thank you for being here. Um, I love you, and and, um, I'm excited to hear from you.
1: Wow, that was an introduction. Well, I really feel blessed, and uh, it's really good to be here with you folks. And uh, I'm going to be uh, sharing about the idea about passing down wisdom. And uh, one of the uh, books in the Old Testament is just a, a total book of wisdom. It's called Proverbs. And I'm going to read you some of the Proverbs, and then I have one uh, book in the New Te- one uh, verse in the New Testament that talks about wisdom, and just kind of set the table for us as we look at that. Proverbs 3.13 says, joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. And Proverbs 4.5 says, get wisdom, develop good judgment. And we all want to do that. How many of you want to have wisdom? Yeah, Just about half of you. So that's awesome. So... (laughs) Proverbs 4, uh, starting with verse 20, says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them, and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. There's just something so important about us having wisdom. And then James 1 5 is this great verse uh, that says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. And uh, there are some prayers in the New Testament that God always says yes to. Jesus always says yes to. Prayer of salvation, you ask Him to save you, and He will. You ask Him to forgive you of your sins, uh, He will forgive you of your sins. And then there's this one, If if you need wisdom, you just ask Him, and He's a generous God, and He'll give it to you. So um, let me just start off by praying for wisdom. Father God, as we uh, study your word uh, this morning and we hear about uh, passing down wisdom, we pray that you would give us your wisdom, that we would have uh, uh, eyes that understand, hearts that uh, really grow uh, with your knowledge and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you have your insert notes uh, from, uh, uh, that was on your chairs, uh, I've got some fill-ins for you. Number one, I, I want to start off with number one, uh, passing down wisdom by storytelling. Uh, passing down wisdom by storytelling. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And uh, one of the things, and one of the ways that we pass uh, knowledge and wisdom down to our, our kids and our grandkids is by uh, storytelling. And uh, for me, uh, men especially respond to storytelling. And uh, this uh, verse uh, says, don't, uh, fathers, don't ex- exasperate your kids. Don't frustrate them. Literally, don't make them angry. And uh, being a pastor for a long time, I've done a lot of graveside services where uh, when a parent is being buried, especially a a man is being buried, a father. uh, I've seen adult uh, kids, uh, men and women, crying tears for that parent, but not tears of sorrow, tears of anger, because they never got that uh, affirmation from their dad. They never uh, had the What they needed to say to him, they never got it uh, finished, and now he's dead, and they're never going to be able to have that conversation, and they're just, they're angry, and they're frustrated. And one of the things I never wanted that to happen, and that one word, the instruction of the Lord uh, is the idea, uh, has, actually has the Greek word of mind in it. So it's the idea that we pass down wisdom and training and understanding into their minds and then it goes down into their hearts. And it's really important in storytelling. It's one of the best ways to do it. Uh, I, I've got this example. Jesus uh, always communicated uh, with, with stories. He told a lot of stories. And just in Luke alone, I, I just kind of have like eight listings of him telling stories. Uh, Luke 7:41 said, then Jesus told him this story. Luke 8.4, one day Jesus told a story. Luke 13.6, then Jesus told this story. Luke 15.11, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. Luke 16.1, Jesus told this story to his disciples. Luke 18.1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And many times we think that when we teach principles or we teach um, instruction, you know, that we want to be didactic and kind of do this with our kids. And many times uh, as disciples following the Lord Jesus Christ, the idea of praying, we know that we're supposed to pray. But Jesus, no, just saying, hey, you need to pray doesn't do it. He needed to tell stories uh, to help them pray. Luke 19:11 the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said and because he was nearing Jerusalem he told them a story and then Luke 29 says now Jesus turned to the people again and he told them this story so Jesus you know communicated by telling stories and one of the ways that we can pass down wisdom is by storytelling so i thought i would just talk about telling stories and uh, I tell a lot of stories my mom was a uh, storyteller so uh, when we tell stories you know one of the ways is to find places that uh, kids and grandkids will really listen and uh, bedtime stories is one of the best you know that you have this uh, ca- captive audience they don't really want to sleep lots of times and so you tell them stories or you read them stories uh, reading stories uh, happened a lot my mom would read stories to us she'd make up stories uh, we just loved it. Uh, When I grew up uh, and had kids, I started reading stories to them all the time and Read the Chronicles of Narnia in, in the elementary school that they would go to, and in public school with Evan, I went all the way from kindergarten, went through all seven books and read them. Uh, it, it was just, it was just fabulous uh, reading those stories. And then one time we were tent, uh, we were in a tent trailer, we were camping, and we were in Canada, and we weren't used to the long light. We lived down in Southern California, and we had this long light, and uh, you know it was evening. And I didn't realize it was like ten o'clock, and I was reading this real dense, you know, and uh, I think I was reading the Silver chair, and Puddle Glum, and there was this, you know, the green witch, and there was just this huge scene, and I was getting louder and more dramatic, my kids loved it, and I heard, hey, will you shut up? It's 10 o'clock at night, you know, and, it, you know, we all started laughing, and Elaine was embarrassed, she's going, shh, shh, you know, and I, you know, I was kind of bludgeoned, it's my right to read if I want, anyway, it was, it was just, you know, some people don't like stories, so anyway... Um, <laughs> There's just uh, all kinds of stories we tell in daily life, just learning to tell uh, daily life stories. Uh, One of the things uh, that I didn't understand uh, was Elaine's storytelling until we went to a marriage conference. We went to this marriage conference and uh, Elaine would come home from work and she'd say something like, oh, we had, you know, a terrible thing happen and uh, this horrible thing happened. And then she would say, this person came to work and then this one was a little late and then this person did this and this person did that and I'm left there with this tension like something horrible happened. when well, you tell me what happened you know what's the point you know and I would say something like the point being you know and I'd get frustrated and then I would close her down and she wouldn't tell her stories and so we went to this marriage conference and they said women tell stories like spider webs and I just like totally got it and so you know all that she's weaving this story and it's just wonderful but if there was something bad that happened I need to know that it resolved okay and she would say oh yeah everything resolved but listen to the story and then she'd tell me the story it, it was awesome, you know, and I kind of told stories like uh, like a rope, you know, a straight line. And, and men will tell stories that way, but women would just paint this picture. So I've learned how wonderful Elaine's story, especially on walks, she just tells these fabulous stories. So even stories of daily life and then funny stories, you know, telling the humorous stories. And, and then the idea of even sad stories uh, were really important. Um, my parents... Uh, Both had dads and moms that were farmers in Ohio, and uh, they both made uh, journeys to Arizona because of health. Uh, Both of the the families uh, knew each other, and they were connected for a long time. Uh, My grandfather uh, was a good farmer. My grandfather ran my mom's uh, dad, and and, uh, they were at this one farm, and uh, there was a neighbor that uh, didn't like my dad. My grandfather and was real mean, and my grandfather had a dog that kept going over into his farm, and he told my grandfather, if you um, let your dog come over to my side one more time, I'm going to kill it. And, and, you know, they were just farmers, so anyway, that one day the, the, the dog went over. This guy captured his dog, and then he called out my grandfather. My grandfather went over the fence, and he showed him he had his dog, and he took a rope, and he hung the dog, dog in front of my dad. And by then, my grandmother had come out. My mom and her sisters had come out. And my grandfather just, you know, just went, you know, like crazy. And he was just going to kill this guy. And he started going. And my grandmother tackled him. And the, the sisters all grabbed him and said, no, daddy, no, 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 no. You know, and he was just so angry and yelling at this man. And they got him into the house. And my grandfather decided... That he was going to choose peace instead of war. And they moved that week from that farm to another farm. And many times, those kind of stories pass down wisdom to kids, besides being pretty fascinating. And some of you can't get that image out of your head right now. So anyway, also telling stories at, at, um, at uh, sacred places. George mentioned the porch. The porch, we heard so many great stories and a lot of laughter, a lot of tears, uh, a lot of history, uh, stories uh, when you go camping, you know, the vacations are great places to tell stories around a campfire, uh, for us in the tent trailer, uh, on hikes, you know, those are, are sacred uh, land. Also, um, uh, when, uh, you, when you're at the table telling stories afterwards, we were at the beach for two weeks on vacation, and uh, we were telling stories. Uh, at the table, I got laughing, and everyone started laughing, and and all of a sudden I realized, you know, praise God, this is so wonderful to have those moments with family and having fun and enjoying that, and then um, telling um, uh, birth stories and life stories. Uh, One of the things about birth stories is kids love to hear their birth story on their birthday, and one of the things about making birthday special is to tell your kids their birth story. Um, let me tell you the story of uh, your pastor and how he was, how he was born. So he was our firstborn, and uh, we were really excited, and we were going to be new parents, and we'd been married seven and a half years before we had a baby, and and so this was super exciting, and um, we went and took Bradley method uh, for uh, childbirth, not Lamaze. We took uh, Bradley, and Bradley is, like, really strict, and no drugs, and you have to do a certain kind of breathing, and Elaine had all these breathing uh, techniques, and, you know, Thing, you know, certain—I forget what it was. But it was like three, four, and then the big one, ah, and then. Sh- sh- sh and then and, and I was supposed to do certain kind of rubs and massages and, and you had all this stuff practiced and we saw the films and we did you know a pretend and we went to the class and we were so excited and we went to the hospital and uh, it was the time and she was you know dilated it was everything was ready to go and it just kind of stopped you know and it was one of these labors that it was like over 20 hours and it was just going on and on and on and and uh, the, the doctor that we had said, you know, I, I got to get going, you know. And <laughs> uh, uh, we think we, we need to put you on Pitocin. And Elaine is like, no drugs, no Pitocin, no, that, you know, that helps you go have a baby faster, no drugs. And in the meantime, we're in an area where just a lot of Hispanics, and in that area, I don't know, I don't think any of them went to the classes that we went to. They weren't taught to breathe a certain way. You know, they were just like screaming, they would just be screaming and The baby was born, you know? And so Elaine just kept feeling like a failure. We were in this waiting room, and one woman after another would come in and have a baby. And Elaine was sitting there struggling. And finally, the doctor said, The baby's going to go into distress. It's been so many hours. We have to get this baby out. So they put her on Protossi. And, and most of the time, when you go through transition, I don't know if you know about transition, transitions like you know, between 9 and 10, you know, 10 is you're having the baby. So 9 and 10, you know, you have this transition. And many times women get angry when they go through this transition. Like, I'm out of here. I am going home. I'm tired of this. You know, or they turn on their husbands, you know, you did this to me, you know, and they just have all these things that happen to them, and, and, and so but Elaine went inward, you know, I'm no good, I'm not going to be a good mother, I'm a failure at childbirth, you know, and it was so weird, and then doctors, you're in transition, they rush her in the room, into the room where they deliver, the delivery room, and they got a couple of nurses, you know, because George just wasn't coming, and so they got a couple nurses, and they put their arms, and they locked arms uh, right on her chest, and they push that baby out it was that they just push that baby out and Elaine finally had George and there he was and that day I think I became a man I became a dad and the idea of having a responsibility for a soul because every person has a soul that lasts eternity whether you go to heaven or you go to hell It's the idea that you last for eternity. And our kids and our grandkids and our family and aunts and uncles, everyone at Whitewater, everyone you see lasts forever. And so all of a sudden, I had this. And we tell this story, and kids never get tired of hearing their stories. And we tell the story for Kate, my second born. We tell the story for Evan, my third born. And they love it. So more stories. The more stories you tell, uh, it's awesome. You can tell all the stories of life stories. Uh, you can even tell uh, death stories. And death stories are, um, are really important uh, for kids to understand. And some people are really kind of squeamish about that. You may even be squeamish about it. But being a pastor, I've done a lot of funerals at my first church church. Um, I had a lady in our church that her teenage son was killed in an airplane crash and had her funeral, had his funeral and mom was sitting in the front row. Back in that day, you know, this is way back, and uh, you know, the last pterodactyl flew by, you know, anyway, uh, some of you got that, so anyway, the, uh, they would have the people go by the open casket, they used to have open casket back then and people would go by and then they'd walk by the, the family and give their condolences. And George, like three and a half, was sensitive even then to spiritual things and important things. He was like three and a half. And he went up to the mom. Her name was Jackie. And he said to her, and she grabbed his hands, and he looked right into her eyes. And he said, your son is dead. And I just went, oh, and I started getting up my chair. I was going, oh, oh I'm going to grab this kid. And a second time, he goes, your son is dead. And she goes, yes, Georgie, I know. And then a third time by then, I get up to take him away. And she goes, no, no, let him finish. And George said, your son is dead. And she goes, yes, Georgie. And then he said, he's in heaven. And I get tears even now. And she told me uh, like a month later, she said, I really needed that. And I realized how important it was And how real that my son was dead. And he acknowledged the truth of what was really happening. And I want you to know those kind of stories teach wisdom. And teach us to know that every day is a gift. Other stories. uh, Love stories. Marriage stories. Um, uh, I fell in love with my wife when I was 16. I think she was 15 and a half. Uh, you're not supposed to love, uh, fall in love with someone. Um, uh, you're not supposed to have love at first sight. But I did, uh, you know, I, I was uh, in charge of a children's church. They put a team together and we were at a church that had a couple services. I was in charge of the 11 o'clock children's church. And uh, I was assigned a couple other teenagers and one of them was Elaine. And I couldn't talk to girls that I liked. I could talk to girls that I could care less about, but I the ones that I liked, I couldn't talk to but I had to talk to her because she was on the team and it was really a God thing because she came in and she had strawberry blonde hair down to her tailbone and I was smitten. It was like, oh my goodness, I won't be able to talk to her, but I had to and so I talked, you know, ministry stuff and our plan, you know, but I was really like going to, you know, it's just like crazy. And I fell in love with her and we've been married almost 45 years and I've never, I love her more every year. It just has never stopped. And telling those love stories, cement your love more and also teach your kids how important marriage and family and all that is. It's like one of the most important things. And then you tell your marriage story and then even disappointment stories. If you've had disappointments in your life or you've had failure, one of the best things you can do is talk about disappointment or failure. The other one uh, is uh, telling uh, stories of vision. Uh, In fact, next week, uh, Pastor Scott's going to be teaching on how you can have a vision for your family. But vision stories... Uh, When George was 12 and we were up in Bellingham, I was uh, at Northwest Baptist as the pastor, and uh, a couple of kids that had gone to Cape and Ray Bible School in Europe came, and one of them was John Hunter's uh, grandson, who was one of the founders, one of the really good Bible teachers, and uh, George started getting influenced by that, and so I just began to feed those vision stories, and then uh, George went to... Uh, Cape and Ray, and I told him, if you want to go, I'll pay your way and I'll uh, I'll pay for the flights. And so George went to England and Austria to Bible school, kind of a gap year. And uh, I wasn't afraid for our kids to have a gap year. And then when he came back, he would tell the stories of what he went through and all the places he had gone. And uh, it was just kind of an amazing thing. So Katie caught the vision, and he coached her. And uh, I thought, yeah, I'll pay for the whole thing. Pay for your, your trip to Europe. And it's really hard to send an 18-year-old girl to Europe. But George coached her, and she went to Austria in the fall, and then Greece in the winter, and England in the spring. And it was an amazing year for her. And when she came back, she was telling the stories. And Evan was like, "Dad, I'm different. I'm different from your other two. I'm not like them. I've got a girlfriend. I got a rock band. I'm going to go to Evergreen, and uh, I don't, I don't need to be the same. And don't try to push it on me." So I didn't push him. I just got on my knees and I said, "God." You do it. You know, you're the one that can do it. And I just began to pray. And uh, his girlfriend in October broke up with him, you know? And I was like, secretly, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I was going, oh, I'm so sorry. But secretly, I was going, yes! <laughs> because she was not the right one. Gabby was the right one. So anyway, it was it was wonderful. So anyway, I, and then his rock band broke up, you know? And then uh, he, he wasn't really jazzed about his freshman year and in Evergreen, he came back on, at, at Christmas break. And he said, um, he said, Dad, is that offer to go to Cape and in Europe still stand? I said, yes, it does. He says, good, because I already booked tickets and I signed up to go to Sweden and then also to Greece. And then he went and took a trip to Israel. And it was awesome. So you can implant vision in your kids. And then the other one is work stories, work stories about how we work and how hard we work. And uh, it's one of the most important things to learn and teach uh, your, your kids. And Um, Anyway, I need to move to the second point. Let me go to the second point. So the first one is passing down wisdom by storytelling. The second one is that the kids are with us. The kids are with us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 16 and 18 says, As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty." And so God has has said, you know, that um, that you're, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to walk with you, I'm going to spend my time with you, and I'm going to be a father, I'm going to be a parent to you. And so one of the things that I would advise and at the church that I'm at, at Bethany Baptist, they have steps right here. And so when I just give my opinion, I step down and say, this is just my opinion. And so the second point, the kids are with us, is, is my opinion. But it's the right opinion. So um, <laughs> thank you for laughing. So anyway, the kids are with us. That, that means um, we're not with the kids there with us. And I remember using that when the kids would say, I don't want to do that or I don't want to go there or I don't want to participate in that. And we say, look, we're not with you, you're with us. And uh, many times it would happen on a work day. Uh, we're having a work day. We're getting the, the house cleaned up. We're going to vacuum. Uh, we got to clean the bathrooms. We got it ready. We're having, we're having house guests, And sometimes, you know, you're, sometimes you're a kid and you just don't feel like doing it. I don't care if we have calcium, cancel it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. You, hey, you are with us, now get to work. And we'd have work days on the outside. There's certain days where you have to go out and spend a whole Saturday getting your yard ready like it's spring or, or getting ready for the fall, and you, you spend a whole Saturday out in the yard. And uh, many times that's miserable for kids, but you're teaching them work and you're teaching them that they're with us. And many times uh, it's really important that you realize that you're the parent and and you're not necessarily gonna be their friend. Uh, uh, And many times I've had to say to them, especially when they're early teenage, you know, uh, I'd love to be your friend and maybe we can be friends when they're 20s, but I'm actually called to be your parent and you're not going to do that or you're not going to do that. And many times they would say, why can't we do that? And I remember hearing this from my parents. It says, because we're Bedlians. You know? And it's really a stupid reason when you think of that. It's really stupid, but I remember when I was growing up, my mom and dad would always take a nap on Sunday afternoons. And they'd take a nap, and they said, We had to take a nap. And I said, Why do we have to do that? I have friends that never have to take a nap. He says, We are taking naps on Sunday and afternoon because we are Bedlians. And then when I became a parent and we wanted to take a nap and we wanted those kids to take a nap, I would go, Because we're Bedlians. Now, you get into your room and take a nap, you know. Well, what if I don't sleep? Then don't sleep, but just get in your room because we need a nap. And so you you do certain things because you're Bedlians. And there's certain foods that we eat, certain things that we do. And many times we tell the kids, You are with us. We're not with you. You're with us. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? We're not with you, but no, you're with us. The third one, this one, um, again, I would say um, that this is a biblical principle, but it's a hard one to explain. Uh, this one is number three from parents to peers. From parents to peers. You want to fill out your thing. And uh, peers is therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given the glory. Romans 15, 7. The Apostle Paul wrote Romans. He's writing to Christians in Rome. Uh, they were having some struggles between uh, different Christians. They had different rules. Uh, some of the Jewish Christians were criticizing uh, the, the Greek Christians. And so, you know, there was just struggle over uh, legalism and rules and that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I want to take it kind of a little bit out of context and have this idea that uh, we have to accept. Our kids, uh, therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, says so God will be given the glory. And what I mean by that, from parents to peers, is where especially dads, especially dads, but also moms, we welcome our adult kids into our world. And I've seen lots of men who never felt affirmed by their dad. They have always felt a hole in their heart because they never felt completely affirmed. And I've seen men who have struggled trying to get affirmation from their dad their whole life, and they never got it because one of the reasons is their dad never allowed them to become a peer. And I was so blessed that my dad, George and Sr., also a pastor, uh, he, we don't have any other names except George and Kurt, so he... Um, <laughs> Except Wes came along and they decided to break it. So anyway, the, uh, Wes is my grandson. So um, my dad invited me to become a peer. And the way that you invite uh, your, your kids to be peers is you start when they're really young and you start by asking forgiveness when you do something wrong. And my dad was really, really good. And if he got angry or he lost his temper or something happened, Uh, uh, he would sit down and he would say, come sit next to me, Georgie. Now don't you call me Georgie, but he could call me Georgie. And he would say, you know, I lost my temper or I I did this or I misjudged this, and I want to ask your forgiveness. Will you forgive me, Georgie? Will you forgive me? And my mom would do the same thing. And if you can learn when you do something wrong to ask forgiveness of your spouse or to ask forgiveness uh, of your kids or your grandkids, You are helping them to become peers. Then the second thing is um, that you learn from them. That's probably the number one thing when they become adults that I have learned from George. George is amazing in some of his areas that I don't have that giftedness, and I have learned from it. He's a really good church planter. He planted whitewater, and he coaches our other church plant pastors. And I don't have that, that ability or that gift. And I, I learn from him, and I learn uh, discipleship from him. And, and when you start to learn it, my dad, he learned from me. He, in fact, he came onto my staff for four years up in Bellingham. And there's something about inviting your kids into your world and letting them become peers. And part of that is becoming an encourager. You no longer tell them what to do. You no longer, unless they ask you, you don't give advice, you don't give counsel, you know, unsolicited, you become wise. And let them become peers. Amen? So imagine everyone in this room I mean, everyone in this room, imagine what it would be like if everyone in this room became storytellers that would begin to pass wisdom down to your kids and your grandkids. That you not only became a storyteller, but you would listen to others in the family when they told their stories. And imagine uh, uh, having a family where the kids were with us and they're learning. From us. They're learning wisdom. They're learning to make good choices. They're learning discipline. They're learning experience. They're learning work habits. Imagine that. And then the third thing is imagine um, you taking your kids and letting them become peers. That when you have adult kids, and maybe some of you are already at this level, they are equal with you, and you have been a successful parent in launching them and giving them that esteem that they need to be successful adults, especially in their emotional life, that their hearts are full and they love you and respect you and are grateful for you, amen? You know, Whitewater is a a great family i i'm so uh, amazed at you guys really proud and i, I want to just bless you and uh, if you'd stand with me let me just pray for you pray for this family father god i just thank you for each person here we know each person is a soul that goes on forever and eternity pray that you would help us to have skills and and be able to pass down wisdom we pray even for people who don't think they have anything to pass down people who feel inadequate feel that they they don't have anything where they could um, give wisdom to someone. But Lord Jesus, we know that they do because they have you. We pray that you would give us that boldness to tell stories and to live for you. In Jesus' name,
0: amen.